And when the Magi had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and escape to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And so he got up and took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until Herod had passed. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, that out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod had died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up now and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. And so he got up and he took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that the Savior would be called a Nazarene. And that is the word of God for the people of God today. Thanks be to God. Let's bow our heads again. I want to begin with a word of prayer. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord. You are our strength and our redeemer, and we seek to glorify you. Amen. Well, I hope you had some fun in the midst of Christmas, of all the busyness and chaos. We had great Christmas Eve services here, over 200 people in attendance. I was very excited and pleased to celebrate uh, the newborn king with, with a lot of folks that don't normally come to church here. It was uh, a great thing, a great Christmas. I've enjoyed getting to be with family. I've eaten way too much. I've given presents that I probably shouldn't have bought, and I've received a lot I didn't deserve, too. And isn't it interesting that that after Christmas is all over, what what a bleak picture of of Jesus' birth Matthew paints for us in the scripture I read for you today. Did you notice it? Did you notice it? Especially when you compare the two chapters of, of Luke's gospel from which we get the, the adoration and the story of Jesus, born in a manger, sleeping in heavenly peace there. And then suddenly we're told by Matthew that Mary and Joseph have to remove him quickly and become refugees, hightailing it to Egypt. We hear about this tyrannical ruler named Herod of of the Roman Empire that is over Judea and and is very threatened. We hear that the wise men that traveled from afar who came to bring gifts and to worship this, this king that was to be born in Bethlehem, 
that their good news that they brought about that to Herod was contorted into, into a, an act of suspicion and threat to the level that Herod would, would declare this royal edict to have, have children rubbed out, taken care of, uh, massacred. Well, it's a very unchristmassy type of scripture reading, isn't it? This, this depiction that Matthew tells us. And yet, there's some real truth in here that we don't hear in Luke's gospel. And I want us to listen to it today quickly because it's important for us to hear. There are several points of truth in this scripture. To uh, bear upon the world we live in and the light in which we are called to live. And the first of those is that it shows us how, how easily thirst for power can cheapen life. Did you notice the great extent to which Herod went in order to get rid of a, a king he had just heard about from, from some men far, far away that he didn't even know? We know that Herod was quite a paranoid figure. He was, was a man that was a great military general, but also... Also throughout Israel, if you have ever been to the Holy Lands and, and throughout Judea, he built fortresses in various areas. Why? So that he could go and escape there if there was ever a coup upon his life. The historian Josephus, who was, was Jewish but wrote great history about that time and that place, wrote a lot about Herod. And he said that he had a personal bodyguard of 2,000 soldiers that went with him wherever he went. Why? Because he was afraid that someone was going to pay back to him some of the violence and the suffering that he meted out to those that were under his rule. Uh, Josephus also records that he had three, three of his own sons murdered because he thought that they were trying to in the palace, take advantage of situations and put themselves in position to overcome him and to seize power and reign. Even his second wife, I can't really say her name, it's kind of like Mary Ann, because of political favor towards a certain group in Judea, he had her executed. What a tyrannical, murderous killer this ruler that had been placed by the Roman Empire over Judea became because he had a thirst for power and for wealth and for, for recognition. And it's important for us to hear that in the midst of this Christmas story. Now, the murder of innocence, the massacre of innocence as it is known, and I have a great painting of that, that, um, that somebody back in the slide booth is going to advance maybe about now, that, um, no, not that one. Go to the next one now, to the next one. There we go. Yeah, that was something that happened in history in that time period, at least quite regularly. Do you remember the story of Moses in Egypt? And Pharaoh thought that the Hebrews were becoming too numerous. They were scaring him because they were becoming larger than the Egyptian army. And so he put forth the edict that all the boys, two and under, would be thrown into the Nile just haphazardly, treating human life as if it was, was nothing important, in fact, a detriment to his power. It's important for us to hear that, that human life, as people of faith and Christians, is more important than power. 
more important than politics, more important than all the things that this world seems to value. Uh, it's important for us to recognize children and, and how it is that the world so easily glances over them. There's human trafficking of children. There's neglect situations. Uh, there's murder of the innocents. And as people of faith, we should recognize that life is a gift of God, and it is not to be taken cheaply. In political power, it's easy for, for folks that are in those positions to allow the neglected, the poor, the overlooked, to be just political capital, just votes instead of human beings. And the Christian church should always, always trumpet the value and the importance of people. And that bears upon some heavy, heavy debates that go on in this day. Debates about abortion, debates about, about families on the border that are immigrating and trying to escape um, difficulties that they face in their home countries. It's important for us to hear that power is not more important than human life, though the world would tell us that that is the case. And Herod is a great example of that. We uh, do not want to live in a dark world. I do not. And God does not call us, and Jesus was sent into the world so we wouldn't have to live in a dark place where life is taken so haphazardly. And that's important for us to hear. The first truth I want us to hear in this escape to Egypt story today of Jesus. The second is that the places where God is found, often we may not think to look there. Did you notice that it wasn't in the palace where Herod was that Jesus was born or appeared? It was not where the wise men gathered there in the source of power in Jerusalem that Jesus was associated with. Instead, he was born in a backwater town in a place that well, it was not very sanitary or safe for anyone to be born in. In a manger where animals are raised and where they're born and where they are fed and, and even breathed. And it's important for us to hear and to remember that to look for God, we need to look in the places where, where the rich and powerful may not be pointing our attention. So for the new year, maybe think about volunteering in our food pantry. Elaine, <laughs> Noah, yeah, our food pantry every week, except for this week. Keep that in mind, volunteers, because it is New Year's Eve. But every week, are feeding folks in our community that have hunger needs. They may not be able to make ends meet because their job is not providing for them all that they need in order to pay the bills. It may be they're out of work. It might be that they're on fixed income because they're retired and they don't have food to eat. But it's often there that we find the presence of God and the love of God that is exchanged. I instead of turning on the news and, and watching it as you're sitting in the house during the day, turn it off. Go in and volunteer in the food pantry, in the thrift store that provides some some great clothing very cheaply for those that may not have a lot of money in our community. What a great opportunity to go to a place where you wouldn't expect to find God and 
to show that you care about people instead. I have a picture of Church Under the Bridge. We did that a few weeks ago, last month actually in November, and went downtown, fed hundreds of homeless people. The missions committee coordinated it all. We did it with other Methodist churches. It was a great blessing to go to those people that we, we will not associate with because we don't live in Greensboro, and we're not hanging out downtown in the homeless shelters. And yet it's there, this gospel message of Matthew reminds us where God is most often found, not in the places of power and in the places of, of elegance and of, of palaces, if you will, but instead on the streets and on the shelters. How is it in the coming year you can change your habits, your, your schedule perhaps, to give more time to serving those that are more in need and have less than you do? Is it in and through the church or through some social agency? Or is it some family that you know in the community or a neighbor that, that you could spend a little more time, maybe even give some support to during their difficult chapter of life or time? How is it that you can, in the coming year, be more regular and you're looking for God and being of service for God in places that most of the world just kind of glances at as they drive by. That's another truth, an important nugget for us to hear from this, this unchristmasy gospel account that Matthew gives to us. And the last of those, the last of those three truths is that, that Jesus is our true king if we will celebrate him in our heart and not the king of this world. It's so easy for us to get caught up, especially in, in the world of, of politics, local and on a national level, and to think about that those in power, those making decisions, those spending our tax money, those who are in, in leadership positions, in community organizations, for instance, that they're the ones that, that really um, matter most to us. Now, I appreciate folks that serve, believe me, especially in the church where we depend on volunteers to make things go and to grow and to continue ministry and lead throughout the year. And next week we will be recognizing those leaders in our church during the worship service. But we remember that there is no one person, whether it's pastor in the church or president in the White House or, or person in a political position in the county or city, there is... No person that is more important and should have greater allegiance from us as Christians than Jesus Christ, the king born in the manger in Bethlehem. It seems far-fetched to kind of a, a fanciful story, doesn't it, that we would give allegiance to a child that we celebrate at Christmas. And yet we remember that that child became the greatest king of all kings. Now, not in the worldly sense, and this is where we have to really listen and think about where we are as Christians and what the year to come holds, because really, every day for us is a choice. Are we going to be about the kingdom of the world that we live in, or the kingdom of God that we find in Jesus Christ? And if we remember, and we 
we reaffirm our allegiance that Jesus is our king, we will live in the light and for the life that he leads us in and calls us to. So, with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength, Jesus said that we should love God and that we should love our neighbors as ourselves. And those are the priorities that we should place upon ourselves as followers of Christ. Who does our heart ultimately belong to? We must choose each day. And we gather here on Sundays to remember that Jesus is the one who has claimed us and saved us and dwells within us. Where will we invest our time and our energy and our resources in the year to come? It's important for us to remember that we should place those where our allegiance is with our king, who will be our guiding light and principle in all of the decisions that we face in the coming year. I think that we should pledge our allegiance to Jesus above all and through all for our attitude, for our decisions, for the words that we speak and for the actions that we live out. Because Jesus came into the world not to be a baby celebrated just once a year at December 25th, but to be the king of all of the world. And he would live his life and die and be raised again to show us that. Roy Lesson writes this short little verse called God's Perfect Gift. And it puts Christmas and our faith all in perspective. Little baby on the hay. Soon there will be another day when nails shall pierce your hands and feet as you provide our sins defeat. Risen, Jesus, now on the throne, we lift our praise to you alone. For you're the gift that we receive the moment that our hearts bleed. My hope and my prayer for us all is that we will celebrate Jesus not as the baby, but as Lord of our lives today, tomorrow, for the entire week to come, and for the entire year that is ahead of us.